What does it mean for you to be completely financially independent and not reliant on a system that's quite frankly abusive and corrupt? What is decentralized finance and what is the whole crypto hype all about? Well, that's a journey I'm embarking on and uh, I want to take you guys along with me. Welcome to the Life Expander podcast. As always, it's amazing to have you here today for an incredible episode in which I got to sit down with Mr. David Kahn and Mr. Benjamin Brown. The three of us had a great chat. Those of you who listened to my recent podcast will know all about Ben. Um, David is also a fellow Scarbarian who lives out here in Scarborough and uh, we've connected and gotten to know each other and all I can say is that Dave knows what he's doing. He's really educated on the topic and he's living in alignment um, with the world around him. You know, he's not trying to make financial gains and at the cost of everything else. He's trying to help create a better version of this world in which we can be independent sovereign beings uh, who aren't dependent on an abusive system. And uh, he's walked the, the walk and now he's teaching people. Um, and I have just signed up for his crypto course. I lost a lot of money in crypto initially because I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. Uh, I lost over 50,000 Rand, basically got scammed. And so I was myself turned off from this industry. I wanted nothing to do with it, but I've also realized um, that my skepticism just came comes from a lack of understanding and knowledge. So I'm super, super excited to let you guys know that if you are listening on this podcast and you're interested in this course, I'm going to put descriptions in the links or links in the description below, should I say. Um, you're going to get a 5% off discount if you sign up using the discount code DJ5OFF. That's DJ5OFF uh, or uppercase. That's a 5% off Dave's six-week crypto high vibe course. It's a conscious course and it's uh, super exciting. I'm looking forward to it. What I would also recommend is Dave's got a two and a half hour workshop on crypto in which outlines the basics gives you more of a general understanding about what the course is going to entail. I would highly, highly recommend watching that first, give you some information about the course. And then if you are interested, sign up, join me. I'm going to be on it. I'm going to be learning because I'm, I'm on a mission to get completely independent. The last thing that's keeping me attached to this, the system is my financial status and depending on banks and institutions that have the power over our finances. So I'm gonna to learn to take control of that. And uh, yeah, you guys are welcome to join me on the ride. But give this episode a listen. A listen. It was one of the most educational, fun, um, deep conversations I've had in a while uh, with two awesome, awesome dudes. So enjoy guys, let me know what you think and we'll uh, see you on the next one. Listening to the Blade and Chalice podcast, hosted by David Kahn. Welcome to the Scarborough, Western Cape, South Africa Conscious Convention. This is a summit, one day experience. It was one day of setup and then an hour of banter between myself, David Kahn, and myself, Darren James, and Benjamin Brown. And there we go. So three young men with uh, big hearts are here to chat about many things. And one of them that's very important to all are 
lives is decentralized finance, cryptocurrency, and actually creating abundance without having to write down affirmations every day. So let's have a bit of an introduction. Let's start with uh, yourself, Benny. My name is Ben Brown and I am British and I've been living in Cape Town for like 10 years. I'm a filmmaker. I do podcasts. I'm a vlogger or a vlogger, depending on where you're from. And yeah, I've been making YouTube videos and content for a long time. I'm also a photographer and yeah, just an artist in general. And um, I've been found myself down here in Scarborough, met Dave, met Darren and my conscious long lost soul brothers. And I'm really excited for us to drop in on this um, deep chat about something super important. Totally. Abundance. I love the That's way- my Spanish friend says. Abundance, yes. <laughs> You're a true bohemian, Ben. You know, it? It's just like whatever you dream of doing, you just end up doing in a creative way. There's no other way to be. I know. Really? It's just like, you know, the, um, yeah, whatever you do, it's just you know, one of those people that whatever you touch turns to gold. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Do have that touch. Yeah. And Darren, <laughs> let's uh, hear a little bit about you. Sure. Long story short. So I, um, I've grown up in Cape Town my whole life. I'm born and bred Capetonian. Um, been a passionate aviation enthusiast for my whole life. So I left into aviation, which I've been in for the last 14 years. Uh, and I've recently stepped away from that. Um, the craziness of the last two years has just um, gotten a bit much. And I think, um, yeah, ended up moving out to Scarborough, just walked away from that environment, decided to get completely independent and become sovereign in how I live my life. And so, yeah, it's just been an incredible last year. There's so many amazing synchronicities have happened, interactions, meeting people like you and learning more. And uh, I'm so excited to be here today because this is definitely a topic that I've, I think, stayed away from because I've, A, got burnt before and two, I just don't know much about it. So I'm keen to learn more and delve in because, yeah, I think abundance is on everybody's mind and yeah. something we need to talk about. Yeah. But let's unpack your your story a bit. And the reason I say that is because when we spoke at other times, it's very similar to mine, where um, could no longer do the corporate world. You know, it just wasn't an option anymore. Whether it be, you know, in, in your case, you know, because of COVID, they were laying people off. Um, and in my case, you know, I had, I just got up and quit one day. And my body just goes, I can't do this. But like, that's a scary place for people. You know, people, I, I, I've been having a conversation with a good friend of mine, and he's in this thing. And I'm like, why are you going to this job working for people who are narcissistic and sociopathic and screwing with your head all the time. What's the, what, what's your why? And he goes, money. And you know, money is this thing that it doesn't exist in nature. It's completely made up. And the thing is, is we believe in it so much and we bought into it so much that we have all of this because of money. So it is this, this made up thing that we are all sort of entrained into acquiring and distributing. So if it's made up, I say it's kind of like a game. Yeah. If you learn the rules of the game, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't have to play the game, you know, and, and be in a, a shit position, you know, the short end of the stick. You can play the game and be in a really fun position. You know, it's I don't know, when you're younger, did you ever get together and play like Mario Kart with your friends? There's like that one huge kid fan of Mario who just Kart. like was frustrated playing Mario Kart because he didn't get it. And like he'd always be lost and the other guys would be like, you know, throwing traps and stuff in front of him. It's just sort of like he's playing the game, but he's not having a good time. Everyone else and the people that are more skilled at the game are having a tremendously fun time. Yeah. I, I realized that a download for me came recently this year and it was, this is it's just games. So create your game. And for me, I was playing somebody else's game. I was in their game. Exactly. And I was stuck in a system that was suffocating me. And yeah, 
don't want to go too much into that, but last year with the lockdown that happened, I it was the best thing that happened last year because for eight months I sat and my health got better because, you know, I wasn't, my time was my time. I could do with it what I wanted. I wasn't getting to bed at crazy hours. I wasn't a, a slave to a roster. And in the system where you just, that's what I felt suffocated. I felt like I was a slave. My health was deteriorating. My finances were deteriorating. And I thought to myself, I can't do this for the next 20, 30 years. And I'm super grateful for all that aviation has taught me and brought me. And it's been an amazing journey. But that chapter has definitely come to a close. And um, yeah, just breaking free from that system. Great. You know, it's, it's an interesting summit we have here of three gentlemen, because we have Ben Brown, who's basically been doing this for years. Yeah. You know, you've been <laughs> living the way you realized it. Though, yeah. Right? You're just like, whoa, everybody else isn't doing you've this? You've had the secrets for years. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I, I'm a couple years out of this, out of, out of the corporate system doing my own thing. I mean, I've always been into this stuff, but I always felt chained to it and then breaking free. So I, I'm a little bit more and then you're you're the I'm newest like addition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a very interesting conversation because you know Ben's like, what the hell is the corporate world? You know, Darren, for you, it's more acute. You know that that being able to speak to people who are still there. You know, and that's really what I want to be imparting to people. I talk to a lot of people in my world who are either trapped in the job or trapped in a state where they're at the shit end of the stick in the game and they're they're playing somebody else's game, and so. We are all inspired. We're sort of stepped out into the other side of the fence and we're enjoying this other life. You know, and I think what I feel from you is you're just expanding into this. You're like, wow, this is there the whole time. You know, and it's it's funny because when I hear your story, it echoes so much of the journey that I've personally been through with this. And, you know, I'm here to say a little bit further down that path, you know, you start bearing, you start bearing the, or picking the fruit. You know, you start harvesting that fruit that, of, that you sowed by saying, I'm going to be a sovereign being. I'm going to f- follow my deep passions and allow them to provide for me. That's really what it is. And, it, and it's difficult because walking away from that stable environment with an income every month to, to step through that fear, which was a, it took a while for me because I knew I had to get out. And when I finally made the decision, I knew it was the right one. But still now it's financial stress is a real thing. And it's, it's something that we need in this world. And learning learning the journey to create my own financial abundance is definitely uh, interesting and, and, and stressful at times. Uh, so I think this topic specifically is just what I'm personally looking for because to get out of the system A that I've realized is just suffocating and trying to control us and just get independent. I just want to be able to live life on my terms and not worry about money. I agree. I'm I'm with you all the way. And I although it might seem from the outside like I've been doing this for years, I and I haven't been working a nine to five. It was it's kind of always been my goal since I was very young. I was a professional athlete and I saw the people who were doing the best at the sport I was in, they worked for themselves. So they had the tr- the choice and of how they spent their time. So they could go training in the morning, show up to work on their schedule, and then go training in the evening and take time off to go international racing. So I was like, okay, I just want to do that. There's no way I want to work a nine to five. And of course we will have to at some point. And I had a great time working some nine to five jobs. With the, if you're working with the right people, it doesn't matter. I was selling wine for a while. Oh, wow. And I was really good at it because I was enjoying the wine as well. <laughs> I was a good wine salesman. And I also was working in a, um, in a sign writing shop, which is quite creative. So like making big signs and sign writing shop fronts and stickers on windows and that was that was my vibe because I was like getting really creative and I was with the little um, knives and scissors and 
yeah, that was, that was my creative vibe. But ultimately I had to move into sovereignty with my finances. And that started with the YouTube thing and making my own videos and then making my own merchandise and selling t-shirts online was basically the start for me of like, Oh, I can, I can generate income and it doesn't have to be on anybody else's terms. But I hadn't really, really understood what I've been doing until recently. And yeah, now I'm, I'm finding that I want to have complete freedom over what it is that I spend my time doing. And I want to be a gardener and not to make money from gardening, but, and I want to paint, but not to make money from selling paintings. I just want to be able to do whatever I want at this stage. And yeah, yeah it sounds like crypto seems to be like an in for that. Yes. And that's exactly the approach I take with it. So with decentralized economics is what I call it, or decentralized finance, we're breaking free of the centralized debt-based inflationary bug that's built into that game, right? You know, you end up having to ask for more and more and more if you're employed for yourself and your wages certainly don't keep up with the rate of inflation every year. You know, I looked at it and wages are, I think, one to one and a half percent a year. Inflation is at 8% currently. 40% of all US dollars printed since the Federal Reserve in 1913 were printed last year. 40% of them. When you increase the supply, you completely devalue the currency. So anyone using US dollars, and there's a couple people out there that use US dollars, maybe four or five billion, <laughs> um, are now basically using something that's increasingly devalued. But the number on the screen and their bank account looks the same. So they don't realize it. They don't clue in. So currency, fiat currency is no longer a store of value. And you're not going to get that opportunity to be the guy that says, my needs are taken care of. I can go garden for fun. I can explore in the garden. That's what we want to do. We want to play. We want to explore. We don't want to be making money all the time. You know, we want that to be taken care of. We just want to live the life that feels right for us. And for everybody, it's different what that standard of living is. And then be free to explore and to play. And then do something related to livelihood, right? I think that's a healthier relationship. You know, not everybody needs to be multimillionaires. Some people do, not everybody. And um, not everybody needs to work all the time. Some people might only need to work four hours a month. And in order to do that, we cannot do that unless you have, you know, some very wealthy financier in the... 3D world in the um, world of fiat currency. So you need something that not only stores value in real terms, but may increase in value over time. Because what's happened with economics is, you know, it's, it's sort of like any sort of natural system. It's a natural system, you, you know, if you put seeds into the ground in fertile soil, they grow, they blossom into a seedling. The seedling then becomes a flower. The flower drops new seeds. There's an abundance of life. And it goes through, you know, death cycles, culling cycles, and regeneration cycles, but it sustains itself and there's abundance for all. However, because this is a game, the rules can be changed and they can deviate from natural law. And that's what's happened in this arena is that a few people know the game really, really well. The, the game masters, the ones who are really good at Mario Kart. And now we're the ones that are, you know, who is it in the background there who's always getting the traps in front of them, <laughs> always dodging traps and having a miserable time if you choose to play that it's game. Like, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. I don't want to play this anymore. This seems like a losing battle a lot. Exactly. Of the time. Yeah. Um, so last week, um, I spoke with a fellow 
who was from New Zealand, and he set up what's called Kuva Cash in Zimbabwe. And so the Zimbabwe's now are using Bitcoin and they're sending money internationally from you know family members abroad to back home. And this is a country where hyperinflation was the worst it's ever been, right? So they couldn't trust their currency. Now they're exchanging Bitcoin and sometimes they get up in the morning and they see, oh, I have more money in the bank, a lot more money in the bank. And I know Bitcoin does fluctuate, but now they're realizing I have something I can trust. The code keeps me safe. The code actually protects me. It's immutable. That's the beautiful part. I'm, I'm not the biggest Bitcoin guy in the world, but at least it's decentralized. At least the code does keep you safe. Nobody owns it. Yeah. The thing is, of course, is um, many of the financial institutions have bought up large amounts of Bitcoin. If you go on and see who the real whales are, I mean, the government of China, the Chinese government actually owns a huge amount of Bitcoin. They confiscated from uh, Chinese Ponzi schemes and other scams going on in China. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to touch on that, I think... Uh, for me, the biggest thing is it empowers you because you're kind of taking control of your own finances. Yeah. And just an example, yesterday I was trying to make a payment to my bank, a swift payment to India to try and import some products that I need. And the loopholes that you've got to jump through and the bank's trying to stop you, they don't approve it. And it's like, why can't I just pay somebody and then get goods without feeling like I'm not in control of my own money? And It's, it's abusive. It's so yeah. abusive and it's frustrating because – as I've tried to live my life away from the system, particularly in the last year with what's been going on, the financial aspect is still inflation. Every time I go shop, I'm like, things are getting more and more expensive. My money is not increasing. And if the bank wanted to tomorrow, they could shut me out and they have my money. And I don't feel independent until I've sorted out that aspect of my life. So yeah, it's, it's about time I, I delve into this world and I'm so interested. And thank you for that, that two and a half hour workshop you did recently. I watched that and I was just, it, just, it just ticked all the boxes and I was like, it's time to really learn this now. Because like you said, I think I said to Ben this morning, um, my skepticism also comes from just not understanding. Totally. Because even within the crypto world, I've realized is that it's quite nuanced and um, there's a whole different world. It's not just one thing. It's, it's a whole range of things within crypto. So. It's a different mm -hmm. Mario Kart game. It's like Mario Kart mm -hmm. 2. Yeah, <laughs> different set of rules. And then 2.1 comes out the very next week and yeah. the whole thing is changing and evolving and totally. growing in so yeah. many beautiful ways. Like, yeah. Mm. So yeah, I'm keen to learn. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, let me start by saying this. In crypto, the ones who make a lot of money are the ones who know how to play the game. Sometimes the ones who know how to play the game might not have the kindest of intentions. They might be scammers. They might be people who pull rug pulls. You know, who basically pump a coin, hype it up to the uneducated. The uneducated says, that sounds good. Other people have made money in crypto. And the dum-dums fall for it time and time again. And we, we see this happening over and over. Well, that was me about uh, five, it must have been about four or five years ago. I lost 50,000 Rand into a coin because it was, I'd seen a lot of people make money off Bitcoin really quick. And then a friend of mine who had had this guy who they're about to launch the coin. It was supposed to go public. Um, it's going to be worth $35 a coin. And I was like, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon and make lots of money. But it was really oversold. And I was like, well, it sounds legit. I'm going to invest in this coin. I ended up paying seven rand a coin for something that was worth like 20 cents. Didn't realize it. And so I've still got the coins, but they're still worth nothing. And I, that frustration of yeah. like, fuck guys, like I'm trying and, and I'm, but it was my own fault because I wasn't educated, first of all, on yeah. the whole game. And um, I got burnt in Forex trading as well, where the broker house just didn't give me my money back. And I was trying to get into this field, but my bad experiences kind of pushed me out. And I was like, you know what? I, 
I, I battle to trust the system. Because even the crypto, I still have my um, kind of skepticism. Totally. And there's two things you brought up right there that are really important for this. One is always keeping control of your money. The more secure, decentralized a wallet is, the better. The less chance it's hacked, you're not giving your money away to somebody and trusting they're going to give you more back. The other thing is looking at projects that have good fundamentals. And so those two things, learning about that, then you begin to pick up the ones that don't. And so, you know, I hear stuff all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that is. You might say this is going to go somewhere. I can tell you it's not. <laughs> Almost guarantee it. And I don't even have to use any of my psychic abilities. I can just, I know. I know. Read you know, the white paper. I can read, not even the white paper. I read the writings on the wall. <laughs> you see yeah. the logo. Yeah. See the logo. Yeah. I, uh, I have a question um, that I think for a lot of people listening who are in my position uh, don't understand, I suppose in layman's terms, how it, how it works where it's, it's, for me, it's not really tangible yet. And there's all these coins popping up. Everybody's creating coins. But does somebody not still have control of whoever the company is starting that coin? Do they not ultimately still have control of that coin? Or how would you explain the, the blockchain system and the complete decentralization to somebody who's wary of that. Okay, so uh, blockchain is essentially a ledger. What a ledger is, is sort of like, you know, if you go to, you know, back in the day, they kept ledger books, right? So they'd write down every single transaction, who it was, the amount, all that kind of those details. So that's recorded every time you're, you're sending this currency. And then there's a tremendous number of copies made and distributed everywhere. Now, that ledger is also hashed, so, you know, you, you do have to decrypt it. Um, and it's also, with Bitcoin particularly, um, the way that it works is you actually create new Bitcoin or mine it by computers solving advanced cryptographic um, problems. So, it's advanced mathematics. It takes an increasing amount of computer power because they're increasingly more complicated. So, what you have is you basically have a record of what's happened that is propagated and it can't be changed. It's immutable because there's so many copies out there. And, and it's, it's, it's distributed in what are called blocks. Every 10 minutes, there's a block of new transactions that are basically mined and validated. So there's a validation process in place. And there's also the, um, you know, there's the creation of new Bitcoin. I mean, we're at 18 million. There's a total of 20 million, 21 million, sorry, in supply. So that's basically how it works. So the, you can think of it as, it's, it's sort of every crypto has its own code that runs. You know, uh, we were looking at, you know, Ben and I were looking at a coin a few weeks ago when we were driving, right? And they had, they had this new novel idea of an elastic supply. So that's what the code does. It changes the number of coins you have and the price just keeps going up. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's a different, different code, different mechanism. You know, there's coins out there that basically, if it's done well, I mean, the code should essentially run itself and the owner can't even change it. It's immutable. You know, no matter what happens, it can go down, the website can go down, the code keeps running. And and that in a way levels the playing field because it removes the greed factor. It removes the human uh, lower emotions. I won't say the higher emotions because if somebody starts with the intention of love and actually creating abundance and prosperity, and there are coins that do this, and then says, okay, I just want people to you know, basically experience prosperity and abundance. And I, I'm going to create it like that. And the code will sort of, you know, keep that going forward and no one can change it. Even if I change my mind later, the code just keeps running. So there's like, as, as I'm pretty new to this. Yeah. I'm, I've been diving in headfirst and I've been having, I think, some beginner's luck 
with that elastic supply chain token that was sort of um i guess beginner's luck but um as i as i see things it's it seems more and more like there's um coins that are serving um real world issues that are actually helping problem solve in the real world that are going to be around for a long long time and develop and evolve themselves and so are good long-term investments and actually might even be used by us to solve problems that we need solving and not just to make gains and then there's um this ido situation where you where people are launching new projects where you if you can buy the tokens for them before they actually even launch then you're looking at getting even more gains potentially but at the same time you anybody can launch an ido and anybody can create a token and anybody can publicize it and market it and put it out there so for beginners i think the main thing is like how do we avoid being um scammed basically and have the rug pulled it from out underneath us and like you were saying if someone has loving intentions and good intentions with what they're creating in a project then maybe things like the team being vetted is like so that they've got nothing to hide everything's out in the open yeah things like that so we don't avoid losing all our money <laughs> so basically it's a case of doing due diligence on that coin and understanding yeah. that company or that what they stand for totally and there's different levels you can do that at depending on your own ability to absorb technical information because you know the way that they talk about stuff it can get techy very quickly right i'm not a tech guy i'm a guy who's in this for decentralized finance i also want to invest in projects that i care about that are going to do well so there's something called fundamental analysis where you look at the fundamentals of a project you know this is this is really a carry over from equities stocks essentially you'd look at the stock you know is apple what are they doing out in the world? They're making, you know, just use Apple. Just bear with me here. <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're launching the iPod. Okay, well, they're going to go up. They're launching the iPhone. They're launching the next iPhone. But you, you can be assured that based on their track record, based on the team, based on what they say they're going to do, they're probably going to deliver. Their stock's going to go up. And sure enough, look at Apple, look at Amazon. These stocks did go up and they were successful in the uh, material world. Now, I'm not, you know, for or against the ethics of these companies. I'm just using them as an example. And there's a lot of uh, coins that do this, you know, for, for instance, Cardano is using, uh, doing a lot of digital IDs on the blockchain. Now that could be very good or it could be very bad mm, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> for, for freedom. You know, it could be good because uh, all of a sudden, you know, things are organized and for in small um, decentralized ways. So, you know, okay, like a university has sort of the student IDs, student records are kept in a very organized way. That's awesome. Or it could be, you know, we're all sort of on this, you know, um, AI Borg hypercomputer type of thing, and we're all kind of locked in there. And I don't like the sound of that. I don't don't know yet. So I'm I'm still my, you know, I've got a little bit. I'm just wary. I'm watching, seeing the developments because something could look good. The team might be amazing. They might meet all their uh, targets, but you know, it's not doing something that's good for humanity. It's not good as a heart base. Like Microsoft. Yeah, like Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> you know um you know the, yeah they the, the, microsoft got weird too they hired marina abramovich who's like a really dark occultist uh, do you know who you do I her saw something yeah, about she does that. like all this like blood ritual stuff and she like rolls with like hillary clinton and these like elites yeah. and like microsoft is doing the ad for her and i'm like what the heck yeah. do i want to use windows anymore <laughs> 
Yeah, we could go down many the rabbit holes and all that. Yeah, Everything's becoming a little bit too obvious. Yeah. You guys are being silly now. Yeah, like, you guys are playing with us. You're actually yeah. mocking us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just so in your face, everything that's going on. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I have a, another kind of amateur-based question uh, that I'm also quite interested in. I think I'm starting to grasp it. But uh, besides the investing opportunity and trading of coins and using that vehicle to you know create financial abundance – the practicality of going into a store and using your crypto coins to purchase things, because for most people, it's not real yet. It doesn't, for me specifically, I haven't been, I've never, I've never had the option of paying with crypto. Where does that fall in? What do you, where do you see it becoming more mass scale adopted? Okay, there's two things happening here. There's what's happening in the next six to eight months. Decentralized finance is actually the hottest thing in crypto right now, believe it or not, because people are getting these decentralized wallets. And some of these networks like Solana, for instance, their transaction fees are so low compared to Ethereum that they could actually be used as cash soon. So in six to eight months, these networks like Solana, like Cody, Cody um, Cardano's got some applications there. Um, Phantom. Actually, Phantom is talking to Tajikistan about basically integrating into their uh, central bank digital currency. Again, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Central bank digital currencies make me a little bit wary. Mm, but, but it's happening. But it's happening regardless whether we like it or not. So these uh, tokens that can be used as, as a form of cash or currency where it's very easy to send. Because the problem with Ethereum was it was too expensive. It was fast, but it was too expensive. Bitcoin's slow um, and it's cheaper, relatively cheaper than Ethereum. But now we have these other coins that take care of both problems. And the other thing too people ask about is, well... Isn't crypto bad for the environment? Proof of work, so basically where there's a lot of CPU used to validate, is is it takes up a lot of power. Proof of stake, where the validators are people who have staked a coin, are uh, 10,000 times less uh, energy intensive. So they're 10,000 times so just explain less that. power. So staking, as far as I understand, I've got a couple of tokens staked and I'm receiving a, um, uh, an interest rate, I suppose, back from that. And it prevents the the token or the coin from fluctuating too much because you've just got a, a whole bunch of people who are yeah. um, interested in making more tokens from their tokens, and it keeps the whole thing from completely dive bombing. I suppose on a chart um, mm -hmm. is how I would. What well, you're reducing it. liquidity. Okay, reducing liquidity. So when you reduce liquidity, it means that you know it's sort of like if you have gold and and you have let's say ten thousand gold, eight thousand gold is in the vault. So there's only 2,000 gold being traded, right? So that 8,000 is going to hold its value very nicely. Now, there is a problem too if too many people are holding and there's no liquidity. Liquidity is when it's available, when it's being bought and sold, right? And so if there's a lot of trading volume, it means there's more liquidity. And if all of a token was being traded and no one was holding it and it's totally liquid and yeah, a large amount could be sold and then the price uh, is very volatile. But when it's being held that price stabilizes more. The only time the price can fluctuate massively is if somebody holding decides to sell or if a lot of people are like, man, I want this coin and there's no supply. Then they can drive the price up very fast by trying to buy it because they're trying to buy it and people are like, well, we're not selling, but I'll pay you more. Oh, maybe. A little bit more, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you some more. Okay, fine, here you go. Okay, but I, there's a second part to your question. And this is a personal story. So recently I've been working at this creative hub where Benny and I filmed our last podcast interview together, which was great fun. 
uh, in, yeah, in that was Cape a good Town. one. I gave it a listen. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I really, I yeah. we, we really revived well in that one. I think we covered off all life. It was like two dudes covering off the whole gamut of life. Uh, and so everything's there. Go back and listen to it, episode 44. But anyway, um, that studio, you know, it was funny because these guys are very innovative. Like they're doing a lot of stuff for content creators and creatives. And, um, you know, they said one of the ideas they're tossing is you can only pay for the space in crypto. And I'm like, that is amazing. Because I actually, when I went in there, I'm like, hey, look, I can send you guys money from, you know, my bank account in a different country to your South African one. It will take a few days. There's going to be a lot of middlemen involved. It's going to be exchange rates and stuff. Or I could send you a cryptocurrency of your choice. And they said, okay, send us some Ethereum. So I sent them Ethereum. It was done in 10 seconds. Um, There was a slight fee associated with it. But actually, that fee was a lot lower than the fees I would have paid to a middleman. Mm-hmm. So you Especially can see, international yeah. bank transfer fees are ridiculous. Yeah, those fees are insane. I realized that yesterday. I was like, oh my God, all that money is just going to... It's some, somebody's got to pay for the shiny tall buildings in the cities. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be that person anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, like Western Union, this is, this is what came up when I interviewed Draco last week about this. So picture this. A family from Zimbabwe, they get a job in London. So... You know, the, the breadwinner goes to London, sending family to, uh, money back to his extended family and his granny and all these people. All the money he makes in London and sends back to Zimbabwe has to go through Western Union to end up in their account. And that money in Zimbabwe fluctuates in value. So, Western Union gets 8 to 12%. The bank charges extraction fees. Granny has to line up at the bank for hours sometimes. That currency might be worth something completely different when she needs to go and buy groceries. So, using crypto... This guy can basically say, okay, bing, send money right to granny, ends up in her wallet, and it's already integrated with the local merchants. So she gets that instantly. There's no transfer fees or it's pennies. Compared to Western Union as well. Compared to Western Union, it destroys it. It destroys the other way of doing things. It's like, do you want something that's slow, expensive, and shitty? Or do you want something that's fast, cheap, and effective? No one's going to take the first option. No. <laughs> uh, I would love to uh, delve a little more into the decentralized finance aspect. Yeah. So this is something that I've been trying to figure out in my head, and I, and I think I'm starting to understand it as well. But um, so two points I want to I want to raise. I had a Luna wallet back in the day, and I had some coins on there. I can't remember what, but from my understanding of the crypto world or actually from my standing of the last year, like I don't want anything that's centralized. No centralized governments trying to control everything because nothing good ever comes from centralized. So with the the crypto, you also have a case where, as far as I understand, you can have a, a wallet where you hold your coins and nobody can touch that. Or you can have your coins in a centralized place which then manages your money. Is those two kind of parallel options available and how does that work like how would you most of crypto that? is centralized believe most, it or not yeah and okay. people people think they're operating in this world and they they don't have their own keys so so here's here's how it works there's two things you have with your crypto account you have your public keys and your private keys your public key is the little qr code with the long hash thing that i could give my public key to benny and say benny send me money here or benny could do the same you could just give that public key out now you don't want to be posting it too much because scammers can airdrop you money and then say, hey, we've just airdropped you this money. You go get the money and then it plugs your wallet into their thing and it liquidates your bank. So I have heard of that kind of stuff happening. So it's mostly, you know, you want to be um, transacting with that. And I mean, that's rare and you can see that happening. They can't get into your account without you actually letting them in, kind of like an email phishing scam. 
So that's your public key. Your private key is, this is the difference between centralized and decentralized. In centralized uh, crypto applications, exchanges, and wallets, you don't have private keys. Luno has your private key. Binance has your private key. Bittrex has your private key. The exchange keeps your keys. They have admin keys. So they can actually backdoor their way in. And this has happened. You know, um, uh, Quadriga CX, a Canadian exchange, freaking the guy um, died and all the money was lost. He didn't. I, we don't know if he died or if he faked his death in India and just took $180 million worth of crypto from that was on the exchange. People can't get it out though. So you do have to be careful with this. And, you know, some of the more reputable exchanges, like, you know, Binance is a centralized exchange. They've been hacked a couple of times. And when they were hacked, they paid people's money back. Okay. They're, unless something were to happen geopolitically, they're probably not going to, you know, use their admin keys and steal all your money. Right. And let me just explain the private keys. Now, when you use something that is decentralized, like MetaMask, for instance, like the uh, Phantom Wallet, what they do, they don't even need your email address. They don't need your name. They don't need to KYC you. And I'll talk about KYC after. Basically, all they do is they just say, remember these 24 or 12 words, write them down somewhere safe. That's your only way back in. Just do that and create a password. So the password allows you to plug in on the device you've already set the wallet up on. And if you ever want to put that wallet on another device, your phone, another laptop, whatever, you need that secret recovery phrase. If you do not have it, they don't have it to give you. So this is where you've got to be vigilant. You can't be like, you know, pie in the sky, head in the clouds here. You actually have to write that down and keep it safe. That's your responsibility. So if you want a decentralized thing that's safe, it's, it's about taking responsibility. This is all about personal responsibility. If you want to um, acquiesce and give your responsibility away, well, you're not being sovereign in life. This is, this is bigger than finance. If, if we want somebody else to be responsible for us, we want, you know, mommy, daddy out there to take care of us and whoever we're projecting mommy and daddy onto, well, we're um, giving away our responsibility and we're playing by their rules. We're playing by their game. But if we say, actually, I'm going to write my own game, I'm going to create my own game and I'm going to set the rules for it, then we're sovereign. But we have to take responsibility for making sure that game mechanics works. Yeah. The other thing on this too I'm not going to get into this too much on the air. You know, I think you might understand why. But there's something called KYC, know your customer. So with Luno, to take out a certain amount, they need to actually, you take a picture of your passport with the date and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. These other centralized exchanges will make you do that. Decentralized, they don't want to know who you are. Yeah, and, and that was where my second point was going with the Luno. And, and I had realized, for me, I'm worried about obviously government intervention. Like if the government decides we don't, allow any crypto in our country anymore and then they shut down the exchanges like Luno who has your wallet there goes your money or I've heard of somebody having a Luno account but then basically getting blocked out or SARS trying they're trying to get it just becomes messy and it's I don't want any government intervention and I don't yeah it's, it's like you said it's so much bigger than this it's about complete sovereignty and like I want to be in control of my money I don't need SARS I don't need the Canada Revenue Agency I don't need the IRS or I don't know what you guys have in Britain I don't need these tax yeah, companies coming yes. after me <laughs> yeah right so I'm not going to spill it out for you right now but what I will say is this you have no idea who owns a decentralized wallet you don't know and they can say, you know, show us this wallet. But, you know, if, if you give them your centralized thing, which is they can access your centralized stuff in some countries, Australia, for instance, you know, you can take everything that's happened on a centralized exchange, plug it into a program and get a tax report. 
Okay. Right. So you can but, do it, you can do it legit yeah. centralized. Let's say this is this glass here, and give me give me a pen or something there. Okay, so let's say this is your exchange account. That's KYC, know your customer. It's got all your information. It's gone to your tax company. This is your decentralized wallet over here. So they know everything that's in this glass. But if you send something from here to here, this thing over here, who's, I don't know whose it is. There's an email, not, not even an email address. There's a secret recovery phrase and a password associated with this. And just to quickly interject, you can send from a centralized to, you can yeah. move to, the, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay. So it's you not like two separate systems. I have a Binance uh, account and a Binance wallet, which is how Binance that rocks. was like my, <laughs> that was like my intro to the yeah. whole thing. And I, I watched a few YouTube videos and everybody was like, Binance, it's all good. And, and then I discovered the uh, Trust Wallet and MetaMask and decentralized. My question for you is like, um, say I'm being audited tax-wise. So the the HMRC in the UK, um, they can check out my Binance and Binance will legally say like, it's this guy and here's all his transactions. But if I'm sending coin to, um, if I'm making transactions from my Binance account to my decentralized wallet it's like i and is it my my job to say yeah that is me also and i can show you all of that or can i just be like i don't know who that is this is the this is the part where what i'm going to say on the air is is only going to okay. be so much <laughs> what i will say is this is that a lot of tax companies they say well if you send to any other of your wallets you need to let us know which wallets are yours you know what that sounds like to me it's like we got no idea whose wallet this is. <laughs> We're hoping you're going to tell us whose wallet that is. That's and what so, I was hoping to hear. <laughs> I mean, that could be yours. That could be, you know, um, a famous soccer player that you're donating to. Unlikely it's the famous soccer player. Unlikely, yes. <laughs> but I, I think you get the, this. And the, the thing with decentralized, um, these decentralized wallets and, and the whole decentralized crypto is it's good until the internet gets shut off. That's really the thing that would have to happen, you know? And I mean, we, we, we got a taste of that the other day when Facebook and Instagram went down. Can't imagine how many influencers were you know, lost. Freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> I've got so many butt pics and nobody yeah, yeah. to see them. <laughs> Me personally, I'm talking my, that's just yeah. my own personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but that would be a big thing. There'd be much larger problems than losing your crypto if the entire internet went down because the whole world runs on the internet. The banking system runs on the internet. I think they do have backups. I'm pretty sure if the internet were to go down. And is that where the cold wallet comes in? Is that where you can store coins and it can be offline in a cold wallet? Mm, I've also heard of people take um, taking their, their phrase, their 12-word phrase for their decentralized wallet and engraving six of the words on the one piece of metal so it's like fireproof and completely indestructible and then six on another piece and then distributing it to trusted people in their lives should anything happen to you they can then have access it's like the old fantasy movies where it's like you know a thousand years ago the crystal was split and they went to the four corners of the earth <laughs> exactly. and the four different races need to come together and reassemble <laughs> 
It's like that's the modern version of it. It's like, and six words went to grandma, and six words went to Uncle Jim, and then Uncle Jim and grandma must meet in different countries to reassemble your wallet and get your crypto. I would definitely have it engraved on the inside of rings to go to each one, and then they all have to come together and hold them in a one like, and then light goes. Yeah, there's some big. And then it projects my passphrase on the wall and something like that. And it's stipulated it has to be filmed. Yeah. The whole thing has to be done. <laughs> well, live t- streamed, in fact. Yeah. I'd maybe get it tattooed, like just different parts everywhere. Only you know the pieces of the puzzle to put together of your code. <laughs> Someone's just going to cut Keep all those parts yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, then you got the Russian mafia <laughs> flaying you now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I get drunk and tell somebody, yeah, these are my codes. <laughs> yeah, that don't work. Probably not. But I think what what's likely becoming clear is that we're – rapidly entering into a territory where there isn't um, regulatory oversight. There isn't really a mechanism for these larger entities to actually get in there. And they're looking at this thing and they're terrified. So they're trying to cancel it. China, you know, there's a a bit of dip, uh, dip in the crypto markets recently and in the stock markets, but primarily in the crypto market, you know, China banned all cryptocurrency. And they keep doing this. They keep banning stuff. I think it's a market manipulation thing. They keep banning cryptocurrencies and they reban it. And then they buy the dip. And then they buy the dip. Or a Salvador does. But anyway, yeah. so China did this because they're launching a central bank digital currency. This is where things get a little bit freaky. And, you know, I'm always kind of like looking forward. What's going to happen in the next few years? You know, because everything, most people are the here and now, you know, a year ago, they're like, oh, masks. And now they're like vaccines. And I'm like, yeah, I knew about vaccines in March 2020. That's, that's not a thing. Now I'm looking forward. I'm like, okay, what's, what's this central bank digital currency thing that's coming in? Because essentially what this is, is it's a way for um, governments to basically, you, they can block you out of money. They can turn your money on. They can turn your money off. Yeah, and that gets thought. you right in the survival route. Right, because you know, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if China, for instance, were to say, "Okay, we're not accepting paper currency anymore. We're only doing digital currency," and your ability to um, use digital currency, you have to have a social credit score above X. So that means you can't have said these things about the government. You can't have done these things. And this is this is you know for controllers and dominators, this is a wet dream. Yeah, yeah. And that, to be honest, completely honest, one of the main reasons also that pushed me out of that environment that I was in is I decide what I put in my body. And in that corporate environment, it was becoming very clear the path that that was going down. And and so it, it would have pushed me out anyway if I didn't leave. But it is a scary thought because if they can just turn off your money – that you, you're getting people into survival mode in that fear state, and then they'll be lining up to do whatever you say. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, scary. offices have already implemented masks. That was last yeah. year, right? I don't want to wear that thing for eight hours a day. No. And now it's people, employers are saying, well, you have to have this medicalization. And then pretty soon it's like, well, if you don't get the booster by the due date, you're going to be shut out of banking. I've seen that the people, are, there are companies that are incentivizing their employees and saying, um, you'll have a bonus if you get your booster. So they're paying them extra. They're like giving them a salary bonus. And you can only imagine as well that that would be a salary reduction if you choose not to as well. You can look at it like that. And and I'll also be open about this because I think it's completely insane. So in an airline environment, we are flying passengers around the country and we expected to wear masks the whole day. And 
it was a system that I was, I couldn't believe what was going on. And it's, it's absolute madness. For me, that's my truth. And I was like, I can't suffocate myself all day and be expected to do a job that is really, you know, uh, quite intense. And it's just got crazier and crazier. And it's like, that is not for me and I'm out. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the last part of getting sovereign for me now is financial sovereignty. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't want them in control of my money. Yep. So this is how I see it working. And this is really what, that workshop you referenced, that was what that was. It was an introduction to this. The other part I'm doing now is I'm actually, I've created a course that I'm going to be running live in a few weeks and then it'll probably be available for people to watch the replays if they want to sign up at later dates. I'm definitely doing that course, by the way. Yeah, yes. me as well. Cool. Well, I'm there. <laughs> the, the, the basis of this course is, this is the how. You know, I'm bringing on an IT specialist who uh, created a, a program called Reclaim Your Digital Freedom. So he's going to talk about how to actually get yourself bulletproof when it comes to the actual security side of things. And then we're going to dive into everything. So how cryptocurrency works, um, you know, how to identify good coins, how to identify scams. What's the, what's that frame of reference? What's that investor mindset that's going to be successful? That's the big thing, by the way, because if you can be disciplined, if you can set a strategy for yourself, create rules for yourself, then when you have those, you know, you, you go on, you log on, oh, everything's gone down by 70%. You don't panic. Say, all right, we're riding this wave. Let's see what's going to happen next. You know, it is, you know, the, the successful people do see that. They see that differently. Like, oh, it's a dip. Everything's crashed. It's a dip. Let's get more money in there. You know, the, the paper hands, as we call them, they go, oh, get all my money out. And, they, and then all the smart people are like, give it here. Yeah, give it here. Yeah, give it here. <laughs> Fine. I'll take yeah. it at a cheaper price. Cool. All good. Uh, I, think, I think understanding the psychological um, mechanisms that's going on in trading is also important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah. That's the big thing. There's a couple interesting indicators I'll give you. Okay. So how do you know when to buy crypto? This is a very important question. Once you found the coin, when do you get in? When do you get out? When do you take profit? Right? And so one of these, there's there's two indicators I really, really like, and they're very strange. The so one's called the fear and greed index. You can go Google this. Yeah, I saw on your thing. <laughs> I was like, that's so interesting. Like- there's a fear and greed index for crypto. When people are fearful, you buy. When people are greedy, you sell. Right? Because you're going to be ahead. Because when it does, when there's a blow off top and all that price comes down, they're no longer going to be greedy. They're going to be fearful, but you're going to be following them. That's a lagging indicator. If you're seeing they're greedy, you know what comes next. When that greed gets really high, you know everything's overvalued and it's due for correction. And the whales are going to move that down. The big institutional money will be like, oh, giddy up, this is payday. Uh, The other indicator, funny enough, Choose the top four crypto channels. So, you know, go find those, whatever they are, and watch their numbers per episode. <laughs> it's usually 50K, 60K, 70K, you know, when, when the market's not doing much. When the market gets hot, 300,000, 400,000. And when it starts getting up to those amounts, you know the dumb money has entered the market. I'm sorry, I'm not insulting anyone's intelligence. What I'm saying is that short-term money that comes in there and it pumps stocks up and it's all hype. You know, the kind of people who are dog coining, I saw a tweet, I'm going to buy dog coin now. Like those kind of people um, who don't look at anything else other than what everyone else is talking about, they get in there and they pump things up too high and you know it's time to get out. Mm. Yeah. What comes to mind for me is um, definitely like over the last year, uh, just being aware of what's coming so it's like just being ahead of the game yeah and like you said earlier like for me last year i was like shouting i kind of a bit of a mental breakdown i was like guys 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 this is what's going on in the world is not right they're going to force us to take vaccines vaccine passports all the stuff people like you crazy 
what's happening now? It's busy happening. So I realized, I think it's in general, we're slightly more ahead of the curve, even having these kind of conversations and just staying ahead and seeing what's going on and not reacting impulsively in the moment because you don't know what's going on. It's just yeah. seeing what's coming. Okay. Be, it's like even this crypto, I think it's a wave that's still busy coming and I'm, I'm keen to get in because the people that are going to jump in at a later stage, you know, we would have been slightly ahead of that. Look, you know, um, this is the funny thing. It's like the masses of people, if you understand the psychology of the masses, they don't actually know how to listen to great ideas. The only thing they do is they sort of just like through osmosis, go along with whatever's already been established. So the only time that they're going to uptake the thing is when, you know, we're using cryptocurrency to pay for stuff. That's when most people are actually going to get into it. Also, it feels to. impossible. I think for a lot of technophobes, which is almost everybody that I've spoken to about crypto is like, uh, I'm not particularly technically minded. I think anybody who's might resonate with that, who's listening to this, to try to shift your mindset and the way you speak about how your relationship with technology is yeah. a really important thing to do because we're just getting started with technology. It's not going anywhere and it can be something that we can really, really celebrate and that can bring about beautiful change that we want, to, that our hearts know is possible, that kind of vibe. And especially with crypto, um, solving all sorts of beautiful problems and technology is going to be doing that. And so just to switch that perspective to be like, okay, I can become not one with the technology, but I can understand it and not be scared of it. And that's definitely a huge step if you're wanting to make some kind of entry point. And and because at some point the whole cryptocurrency will be knocking on everybody's doors and be like, this is the new normal. This is how things are going to operate from now on. And then you'll have to learn it. But by that time, someone will have made all the rules out for you and you'll be again working by someone else's rules. Yeah. But if you understand the fundamentals from the beginning, um, yeah, I feel and and to know that we're so early as well, still like incredibly early. Um, yeah, that's if there's parabolic runs on something, you're still early. I'll give you a good example. You heard of the dot com bubble that happened late nineties, early two thousands. So the dot com bubble was this giant parabol parabolic run, and any company that put dot com at the end of their name was basically getting money thrown at them. You know, it was when the internet was getting reaching this point that cryptocurrency is at. So that got to a certain peak, and it was too hot. And so it crashed in 2001, 2002. We saw the crash of that. It took 10 years to recover, but, but tech stocks did steadily recover. So in the last 10 years, tech stocks have gone up about 500%. Crypto stocks have gone up, I think, 65 million percent, 60 million, 2 million, something in there, millions, just, just astronomically higher than tech stocks. But what it shows you is this interesting thing. When you're ahead of the curve, you, there is a lot of hype, but there's this parabolic function that happens where things increase insanely. And then after a while, there's a stabilizing factor. So crypto, I feel, is heading for probably its last parabolic run very soon, which is why I'm doing this course now, because this is a chance for educated people who actually want to experience economic sovereignty and freedom to get in on something and smartly, so they don't lose that money and crash like a lot of people will out there and keep that parabolic gain. And so when it does come crashing down, they're out of the market, then they can invest and it becomes more of a stable investment. You know, Bitcoin will continue to go up in price over time and it will continue to be a store of value. And there's other coins out there that are great stores of value as well. It's probably not gonna be the same beast 
once it becomes more adopted, once most people like we talked about are using it, it just becomes the thing they have to do. You don't get those crazy, insane parabolic runs. You don't get the volatility. It becomes more of this thing that's stabilized. But as time passes too, you have to understand that there still will be great gains available. It's just the kind of blow off tops where the kid, you know, I know kids like, you know, they, they were gambling essentially. Now they're like multi, multi-millionaires now because they basically said, I'm going to take all this money off my credit card. I've got nothing. And I'm going to basically, you know, go into this like, you know, this hyper tunnel and learn cryptocurrency and, and, and just trade. I don't recommend that. I, I think that's sort of, it compromises other things in life. If you're too hyper-focused on that, what are you filtering out in your life? But you can learn a couple things, even if you're technophobic, that can help you immensely work with this in a mature, smart way. It's all about the mindset. It's all about your frequency when you're working. Mm. You're about to say something there, Benny. I was just, I was going to say, I, um, I've got quite an addictive personality. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Buddy. When I get into something, I really get into it and um to the detriment of other aspects of my life and as uh as soon as i got in on that elastic token thing early early like within an hour of its launch <clears throat> and um and it 100x within five days and when i checked like after two days i looked at my my wallet and i was like whoa it's like that's a lot of money i was like checked half an hour later it was even more and then, yeah, five days later, it was on 100x. And I was freaking out. Like, my whole body was re reacting to it. Like, it, it had a somatic release. I had a somatic release of, like, do I deserve this much? So much came up for me in the process of abundance in the same way that, um, in a very similar way of, like, when I receive a lot of love um, for, the f for a while, um, it was, I was having, like, a, a retractive somatic response to that and i've done a lot of work on that since and i'm learning how to receive love but it was kind of similar a love and abundance abundance in love and and abundance in finances or whatever abundance looks like to you it's like because i've made a lot of money in the past but i've kind of, i've lost it all as well and it's because i wasn't i didn't know how to receive it fully and then hold on to it i didn't know how to hold it yeah. hold that level of like energy basically and so the the ride for me was a really interesting one over that couple of weeks. And it was late nights and it was like staring at my screen. I bought some blue blocker glasses so I could actually get some sleep. And I just got obsessed with it. And the emotional roller coaster, after a while I was like, I have to get off of this emotional roller coaster because I, ca I can't be so attached to the charts. When it's green, I'm happy. And then when it's red, or sometimes I'm like, go down, go down, because I've just... <laughs> just sold your, your it and i'm like let's have go a, have a two colors yeah. green or red <laughs> exactly exactly that's how in it i get and then i become it and um and it's not healthy no it's not healthy and it's also what i've noticed is not healthy for my decision making either so the one thing that i've learned is that when i am euphoric sell because <laughs> otherwise then i get greedy and then it's always whenever that euphoria has come around and i don't sell it always drops right off again yeah. so i'm i'm learning to as i'm not a technophobe but when i'm reading a lot of the really nitty-gritty technical stuff i'm starting to grasp and gather an understanding for it and um, but i don't know how to code i don't understand that kind of stuff that well 
But for me, it's like, um, what's my body saying? Like, how are my emotions and trusting that my intuition will kind of guide the way. And that's, that's really the leading guide for me in my decision making, along with a bolstered um, idea of how this token or coin works. Definitely. You know, Warren Buffett says he trades with his gut. You know, I mean, the intuitive mind, it can, it can pick up so much more and calculate so much more than the conscious mind can. The other thing that I want to stay on this just for a second is money is currency. It's a current of electricity. When that current increases in amplitude and voltage, there's no more voltage running through your nervous system. Yes, you know, you can accrue lots of money in a very quick period of time, but is your inner circuitry, is your nervous system wired to sustain it and direct it? And hold that much power. And hold that, exactly. Yeah, the power is in like the energy of... Potential, really. It's potential, yeah. And so that is also part of the... the it's not just mindset, though. It's, it's beyond the mind. You know, you could say neuropeptides run through the nervous system and the mind is, is locked into our nervous system, sure. But it's more than that. It's energetic. So it is actually de-patterning from the things that would prevent us from being able to hold money. That's another thing I focus on. That's the first thing I focus on. It's getting the money blocks out of the way, getting the obstacles out of the way so people can actually allow themselves to receive. Like you said, why, you know, why do people have this thing where they can't receive love, they can't receive money? Well, there's something that happened that kind of you know, tweaked our natural organic innocence at some point in life. Most of the time it's inherited, Yeah, I think. Like it's, uh, um, or it, I've even heard people speak to uh, like soul contracts like Definitely. in previous lifetimes where you've, committed to maybe a religion with no material things you've literally written a contract into your soul that you will not receive material or um or pleasure and things like that so well i mean you know working with the akashic records i see this i work with this regularly with clients and i see interestingly enough that what our soul's past is or our past matches our ancestry's past so there's a dna material physical level to this patterning. And then there's this other more abstract, non-material layer to it. And they fit together. Like we, It's almost like we choose a family that has the exact patterning that we need to um, iron out. To teach us the lessons that we need to learn. Yes. Yeah, I had an interesting experience this last Sunday and I went into this called quantum healing hypnosis technique. It was a bit of past life progression and, and tapping into your subconscious and your higher self. And I was trying to get answers on, on financial abundance. And it's it's weird because I, I I know this deep down, but it's it just it was so clear it was abundance is a frequency, no matter what you're doing. And the one thing I realized living out in scarves, initially when I when I walked away from my environment, I just had all this time. And I would spend it most days just walking around in nature. And I felt so abundant. But I felt guilty that I was not working. But the most amazing thing started happening in my life because I had the abundance frequency and I was just enjoying the abundance of this life. And I realized, listen to you guys now as well, it just reaffirms that no matter what you do, if you're ready for that abundance and you're on that frequency, it's, it's, it just comes. And um, I feel like that's a, that's a massive part of, of it. One thing I wanted to touch on what, what you were saying, and even happened to me this morning, just chatting to you and, and like hearing about your gains. And it's like the gains can be quite overwhelmingly like, holy shit, I need to get in right now. But recognizing after, FOMO. yes. And after, but after our last session, which the main takeaway when I came to you for, for that reading 
was my decision making. I tend to also be impulsive, like, oh my God, okay, that's great. Let me put all my money in there. Let me do that. Let me do that. And then I make the wrong decisions. So it's like, no, get educated first. I can't wait for the course and make the right decisions without making that emotional kind of impulsive. Decisions. I promise you the fees for the course will be a lot less than the school fees you'll pay by making the mistakes. The school like, of hard knocks <laughs> is yeah. far more expensive yes. than the, the school, the school fees of yeah. this course. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, that's, brilliant that you observe that in yourself because there is two things running at all times with us. There's our essence, our essential self, who we really are, that magic, that potency, that infinite potential that's always on the abundance frequency. And that is pure love. That is that loving connection we have with all life. And then there's this thing, this installation that's come along. And it basically is mechanical and it drives us into negative patterns. And you can get quite metaphysical with this, but you could also say that that thing is hooked up to the control frequencies on this planet. And the ones behind it, I kind of like the Wizard of Oz analogy because it's not human. It's not alien from a different planet, but it's not human. It's a force. It's a force that seeks to dominate and control. It seeks to replicate in its own image. And it seeks to basically have you at a lower potential so that Three trillion volts is coursing through our body because we have 20 trillion cells with 0.07 voltage is like a battery that it can plug into to run its quantum simulation of reality. And this thing, if you look back through time, you look at Christian Gnosticism, you look at some of these traditions, you'll see that they talked about this thing called archons. They talked about in Babylon, the Anunnaki. You know, there is this dialogue around these things that came that tried to basically mine us. And the more it mines into a person, the more the person basically becomes like it. They don't even know that. They just become rewired around this thing. And so part of us is trying to assert this essence, who we are, our deep passions, our life force, our vitality. And another part of us has been sort of compromised by this thing. The more we lean into that essential self, though, the more it burns away and dismantles and dissolves the construct. And so when we connect like this, we're seeing an amplification of all our own essence when these conversations happen. And you know, often there's many arenas in life where people break free. And so they might be free in their creativity. They might be free in um, their relationships, but they're not free in the department of finances, let's say. Yeah, because it's a deep programming, a multi-generational yeah. thing. Multi-generational. And it and hits you right in the survival packet. Yeah. Like. And so all that beautiful creativity, you know, amazing artist, musician, life is amazing and I'm so expanded. And then all of a sudden the money issue comes up, <laughs> suck back into this contracted thing and you're just sitting me. on the floor in your addictions, yeah. right? It's literally me. I'm so over I'm over it because I, I, I too experienced that feeling of like cruising through nature and feeling like, oh. <gasps> I don't need anything right now. Yeah. Right now. But I, I do will need things in the future. But right now, and that expansive feeling, I usually come home to like a really great email about something or something. And if the feeling of, of the frequency of feeling abundant uh, is like an open door for or other types of abundance to come in and other energy to flow, um, including the current of currency. And it's almost like you're jumping into the river and it's been there all along. Um, but it, now I'm like, okay, I, I've felt that and I've experienced it and I've experienced it in a way that really also excites the part of me that's like, I don't want to fucking pay taxes anymore. 
actually yeah. i don't i don't want to fund this tyrannical overlord system that's abusive and has been for hundreds of years thousands thousands and, and, of and years i want to see the revolution i want to see the evolution i want to be participating in that and part of it is like discovering ways of not funding the old way and this well. is the collective dream that we're all tapping into more mm -hmm. and more and more and it becomes you know, more and more real 15 years ago i felt so alone believing in conspiracy theories i'm like holy shit am i crazy and now it's just like everybody I talk to is up on it. And it's like, okay, good. Awesome. This is out in the open now. You know, I don't know anybody that was into conspiracy theories 15 years ago that said, yeah, I'm going to plug it back to the system and all this conspiracy. I know a lot of people that said, oh my God, I was right. But I know, and I know a lot of more people who said, I didn't believe in conspiracy theories. That was a joke. And now they're like, holy shit, all that stuff is true. <laughs> yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly insane. And we could go so deep on, on this topic, but realizing how entrenched the system's kind of roots are into the very way we even express ourselves in language. And we were touched on it this morning. I listened to a podcast recently and it's come up this language, even words that we use are vibrational frequencies. Yes. And we're using words that we don't actually know what their meanings are, but they are actually keeping us trapped in a system. For instance, something as simple as job. I think the, the woman explained it as, in, uh, it means job, which means persecuted. Or what does weekend mean? What does deadline? What does morning mean? So we're using these terms every day, but we just Don't disempowering ourselves. And you know what part of us knows? The right brain. It operates on symbolism. It operates subconsciously, emotionally. It absorbs. You know, it's the part of the brain when we watch the news and it's just absorbing that and it's just going in and um, forming our worldview, crystallizing a very particular worldview. It's like no discernment. Yeah, and that's why, you know, a lot of stuff you see esoterically can be hidden in plain sight. And you see it all the time. You see the same symbols all the time. It goes into the right hemisphere of the brain and it shapes our worldview. And that's from where it's called an axiom. Now, I think we talked about that, but it's a belief, a fundamental belief from which all of our thoughts arise. So you see, if you shape a person's worldview, all of their thinking and their logic is going to be a derivative of that worldview. So if you shape a worldview around somebody and they're using word like job, job, I need a job, I need a job, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. they're going to be, they have a worldview where I am a worker, somebody else has to pay me, I cannot have economic sovereignty, job, 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 job. And you're job. also limiting the language uh, which people can use to actually create. So that you're, you're, you're programming them into this um, paradigm and then you give, you're limiting the language so they just bolster it and uphold it, hold it themselves and the whole thing just takes care of itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. With, with spells. Is, um, yeah, it's spells. It's all spells. So you, even the negative self-talk, you say things kind of haphazardly, but sometimes I catch myself like, don't even say that because you're casting a negative spell. And that even sounds even more esoteric, but it, it really is word magic. It's, you're putting out that energy when you express yourself. And um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And the whole financial system we operate on actually dates back to Babylon where it was called money magic. Ah, the usury-based debt system was uh, derived in Babylon. And that's how they kept people materially plugged into this system. So words is one part of it, but finances. So you see, there's many different compartments of life that we're actually deconditioning from. And that we're collectively dreaming into materialization, a completely new way of existing. And as this thing lands more and more and works its way down through the planes from the more rarefied to the more densified, 
we're beginning to see this thing. We're feeling it some days emotionally. Like, yeah, I feel like this is this new earth coming. Mm -hmm. And then we have a conversation like, yeah, it's here. It's, you know, and then one day we'll wake up and we'll be building the freaking thing. You know, if you're on that trajectory, and I call that the organic evolution. Keep the dream alive. Keep the dream alive. The other evolution sucks. The synthetic evolution, where you become plugged into it's the, the devolution. The yeah. devolution. Yeah, mm. it's it's a involution where you basically you're plugged into this Borg-like AI supercomputer, cryptocurrency hooked up, you know, vaccinated to the eyeballs type of thing, booster shots, just robot. Uh, 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 uh. You know, you don't Proper even have matrix. Style. You know, I mean, it, I it just is, got out of that thing. I'm yeah. not going back yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's there's no you in that. There's basically, you are a thrall, you are a human host, not even a human anymore, you're a host for another force to be working through. That force likes also bodies. frequencies and energy, and it's just harvesting the giant battery of how many volts. Yeah, three trillion volts. Do you know how many times I think I've finally understood the matrix? And then as I yes. understand reality, <laughs> as my, my perception of reality shifts, as I shift, the the deeper messages that are in that specific movie just get more and more apparent in how society is operating and it's, it just blows my mind every Guys, time. Guys, there's a new one coming out soon. I know. I'm well excited about it. it. So, I hope they didn't ruin it. This is, this is my take on The Matrix. Brilliant way of actually presenting that allegory. And a myth, yeah. yeah. And a myth. And even if you look in like The Matrix 2, there was that character, um, he was, his name was, it was, he was based on sort of a French, you know, yeah, 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 the, yeah the merovingian yes you know and it, even like his words and what he says he's basically talking about the matrix and how they have control you know you don't know your why neo why are you doing and it's sort of this whole scene that's very esoterically steep. the problem is is they are trying are conveying this message that you can learn kung fu to fight your way out of the thing you can't you actually have to dismantle it inside of you that would have been a shit movie, though. So. I know. I know. <laughs> Give me the country, bro. It would, have been, it would have been a dude just sitting there yeah, and crying a little bit, like, <laughs> meditating, oh. and not a hell of a lot going on. A bit Reiki. bit of Reiki, exactly. Goes to a retreat for 10 days and does a juice cleanse. Like <laughs> You know Neo's on those juice cleanses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy knows what's up. We could just download the juice cleanse. When you or Keanu Reeves. Um, or both. Yeah. Um, I do look forward to the new one, though, by the way. Yeah. But um, I guess what I'm getting at here is that it's not actually about fighting for freedom. It's not about fighting for that. It's basically saying, oh, yeah, I am free. It's realizing coming home to yourself. It's realizing, fuck, I actually am a sovereign free being, and we are all equal. So I shouldn't be giving my power away to politicians and governments who don't have my best interests at heart. But recognizing that, yeah, like we are all divine beings, all of us. But we've just told ourselves we're not with all these stories. We lay on ourselves and then we live in fear. And we just it's just a case of healing and stripping away those layers and then realizing, shit, I'm a, I'm a powerful being. And I'm going to dictate how I live my life. Yeah, and that's what sovereignty is. It's when your mind, your emotions, and your body are moving in the same direction, guided by your will. You know, those four parts of the human being are the four elements, the fire, the earth, the air, the water. That's what astrology has taught me a lot of, you know, working with those four elements in their allegorical, in their archetypical meaning. You're like, oh yes, you want to actually align all of those. And when you see it like a puzzle and you realize this matrix is multidimensional and that we have left the clues on the stars when we're born. And I'm like, oh my God. And you know, of course, too, with this whole discussion of finance, JP Morgan, who is an elitist, said, you know, millionaires don't use astrology, but billionaires do. 
See, the elite are using this. They, they know this. The ones who were really successful, they understand it's all coding. It's all astrological coding. It's coding in astrology, numerology, you know, certain calendars of the world, the Hebrew calendar, for instance, it's all there. So another thing I'm bringing in is crypto astrology. Dude, yeah. taking my knowledge yeah, of astrology man, that- with, I don't even know what this is going to be looking like in a little while. And I, I'm not done with this. And there'll be more information about this later. But this is something that's really interesting to me because this is, this is a funny story. I heard about this because there's a, an astrologer in London and she went to the city of London, which of course is filled with financiers and financial people. And she noticed that none of the astrologers in the city of London had financial software on the computer. But the financiers had astrology software. They were basically charting the stars. And, you know, there's a very easy correlation is you buy in the new moon, you sell in the full moon. Because mm. that influences human it's the full cycle, isn't it? That, that's absolutely fascinating for me to merge those two. Because for, for me, I always saw it as separate. Like, okay, the finance, tech world, and then the kind of esoteric, more all these mysterious things that I, I, I'm so engrossed in recently. And it's... To merge the two, what I see what you're kind of doing is is that's what leads me to want to learn from you because there's hundreds of courses out there, but I'm, I'm it's just yeah, it's frequency, right? It's frequency. He, let's bring back the matrix analogy. When you're out of the matrix, when Neo is out of the matrix, he can learn kung fu by downloading it super quick. You know, and now he's an amazing fighter and he can fight a hundred Mister Andersons at once in seconds. And that's how it actually works. If we say this is what I want, and I'm going to unplug from the matrix, and I'm going to find a high frequency way to plug into to learn this skill so that I can actually interface with it in the matrix, then you can absorb it quickly and you can get going well and you can develop a lot of proficiency. I am living proof that you can learn things very quickly with high proficiency in a short amount of time if you're doing it with the right thing. There's a lot of things. I animated a movie last year. I created a movie and animated it, narrated it, did the music and everything. And I took one month of studying animation to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. And anyone can do this. They just have to know how. They have to know the way that works with their own deep passions because that's where we're actually moving with sovereignty. When we actually say, I'm going to sit here and learn this because every part of my being is excited and wants to do this, I'm going to be so freaking good at it. I'm going to be better than anyone else in the specific way that I do it because that's my nectar. I feel like part of the um, matrix programming is also that – it takes a very long time to learn things and it takes a very long time to master something. And then you have these, like you could, um, you look at any professional athlete that's like, like Kelly Slater, 15 times world champion surfer. He's been that good since he was like 14 years old. And it, it it happened very quickly. Like if you look at athletes, um, who are young superstars, that that's different to the education system, I suppose. But um, yeah, people taking a long time to master something so that they can only just get good at it by the time they're in their 50s or 60s and then retire according to the program. And like, now you've earned it, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, I want to learn it right now. And I, I want to dedicate the time to it and just to get on the same frequency as it, I suppose. Yeah. That's the, the beauty of this new generation, our generation and younger. We don't have... You know, we're like, no, I want it now. That that kind of works in that way because I want to know the fastest way there. I want to biohack my way to learn this thing quick, quickly and, and neo it, you know, matrix it. The problem with our generation is the same problem too, is we don't have any patience because there is something to be said for that path of mastery and commitment is that your faith actually carries you through. You're knowing internally 
I'm going to be amazing at this eventually, but I don't know how long it's going to take. Sure. And so, so you're it staying might committed take, to it. Yeah. It right. might take a day. It might take much longer, but you're committed to it because you're passionate about it. And so what happens often is people actually don't follow that path to mastery far enough. They lose the commitment because there's too many shiny distractions. Also, a lot of comparison. It's like if you're not a millionaire by the time you're 21 now, it's like, what are you, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't have a Lambo by the time you're 20. I saw a kid who's big into crypto online. Can't remember his name now, but um, there's a lot of very young, like under 25 year olds making crypto videos. Some of them are just shilling and pumping and dumping like quite unethically, but they're buying Teslas and, but it's, I could feel through the videos that they know that they're kind of shilling coins and getting their audience to buy in. And then they're just scooping big funds off the top and dumping the whole coin and making their money and buying their Teslas that way. That's not going to, I can see it in their, in their energy that there's something that's like not quite sitting right. It's not quite authentic. It's unethical about it. Um, but yeah, the, the comparison thing is um, that we must be multimillionaires. Uh, and if you're not, if you're not a millionaire by the time you're 30, then you're late to the party sort of thing. That's, that's the modern. That's the FOMO. Yeah. That's, that's the that's internet appealing as well. to people's FOMO in, yeah. in the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing about the internet is that people think, oh my God. You know, somebody could, if they had a laptop, they could go and they could figure out everything about creating their own abundance and financial sovereignty. I mean, it's all there, but it still takes that commitment to finding the pathway. And with YouTube videos, you get pieces of the path, but you don't know where they are on the path and mm. so or what their intention is necessarily. Yeah, what their intention mm. is right and so with this that is actually in the long if you take that patient approach the long masterful way you would see that and go oh god this is actually setting you up for a much bigger problem five years down the road this person is probably going to experience a dark night of the soul because of all of this unethical bs that they've been pumping so for me, it, it, it is purely selfish in a way to say, I'm going to do things the most ethical way I can because it's clean. I'm not going to create problems for myself later and I'm not going to create problems for myself now. It's, it's going to be clean. You know, it might take a little bit longer. That's fine. It doesn't have to take as much time as they tell you it's going to take. That's an old programming. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a limiting belief. And I, I feel like especially specifically in my field that I was in, I'd worked so hard to climb the ladder, worked in Africa, did all these things, work, work, work to the top. And that kind of, well, this is what I'm good at. This is what I can do. I can't really do anything else. And I've had the same experience talking to people who've expressed this to me. Um, but really realizing that you actually can do what you set your mind to. And like just last year, even starting a podcast, it's starting that was one of the scariest things I did because I had absolutely no What's idea. What's the name of your podcast? And <laughs> People need to go check out Darren's podcast. Darren? It's called Life Expanded. Uh-huh. All one um, word. All one word. Uh, no double E. So it's Life Expanded with... One E. One E. Um, so Taro actually encouraged me. And I, I said to myself, I'm going to do 10 episodes. I'm going to commit to it no matter how bad it is. And it's just been the most phenomenal journey learning this and learning video editing. And I found myself in these flow states like learning editing and I would thoroughly enjoy it. And I started realizing you can teach yourself things and as bad as you are in the beginning and I'm still trying to learn and improve and I still look back and I'm cringing, but it's just a process and you can learn these things. You can do a course in a month and, and learn a new skill and you can pivot and you can reinvent yourself. And I think realizing that is a big thing to get through 
Um, because most people are in their jobs that are now becoming obsolete and they're scared and they don't know what to do. But just realizing that you can find your passion. But yeah, don't don't force it to try and make money. Find what you actually genuinely enjoy doing. You know, the, the old system, if you think about it, I know coaches that charge a lot of money for what they do. They don't have any formal training at all. They just started doing it and realized people pay them more. Those coaches can work 10 hours a month and earn the same amount as somebody who's selling themselves completely into the soul-sucking job that they don't like, and they're going wherever their job tells them, and they're working weekends, and they don't have a life. So here's a coach who works 10 hours a month, has exactly the life they want, earning the same amount of money as somebody who's only doing it for the money because they don't believe they can do anything else. So the difference is the belief there. It's absolutely it's like, the belief. What yeah. do I deserve? It's, it's, it's self-worth as well. Yeah, worthiness. Yeah. Mm. I want, I want to kind of tie this in to Ben. So Ben, you run a podcast too. What's yours called? My podcast, my podcast is called New Perceptions. Okay. So everybody listening to this, you need to check out Life Expanded, No Space, No Double E, and New Perceptions. New Perceptions. Yeah. Yes. By both these fine gentlemen. Thank because, you. Because, you know, they're such heart-based guys and they're really, we're talking about awesome stuff. And the reason why they're on this show is because I feel there's a, a real resonance and so, if you're looking for more podcast material, yeah. and, and I've I'm been on Darren's, draw, I've been yeah, on a guest yeah. on Darren's. We, we did an epic one together, and um, yeah, do you know what I realized? And it's so simple for me being out here in Scarborough. It was I wake up on my terms. Maybe I go do some yoga, or I go for a bit of exercise, cold swim, cold, cold swim. swim. Yeah, work two three hours on my laptop, and then maybe go for a surf or enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Doing that every day and realizing this is actually how I want to live. Yeah, I don't want to spend. All of my time, which is finite, working for something that's finite, I want to be able to spend a few hours, get tapped in, do something that I love doing, and then enjoy my life. It's that simple. That's what I want. I don't want massive things. I just want the freedom to live my life. I yeah. want to get obsessed with something and work late nights and do all of that thing, mm. but for something that doesn't require to be sold at the end of it. Yeah. Exactly. I want to get obsessed over something just because I want to get obsessed over like it. Like a music like, album. Creating a music album is yes, just like that. Exactly. Just get so much into that nectar. Uh, ben, I want to say this though. One thing, you know, uh, I, I've seen your your YouTube channel. You promote Skillshare a lot of the time. And that's an example of something where you can go and learn new skills pretty quickly, right? Oh, yeah. And you pay like a monthly subscription that's low. I'm not plugging them. But I'm just giving you an example. There's universities now. You know, I did this with LinkedIn Learning. You know, so basically good. I go in there and like, okay, 35 bucks a month. I'm not, I'm not an affiliate, not plugging them. I'm just saying this is what I did. I learned Photoshop, Illustrator, After Effects. You know, I learned the whole Adobe suite and I'm just like eh, three months, paid $105 and became proficient with these. Totally. There's so many learning platforms, yeah. online learning platforms. And it's like the cost of Netflix per month. Mm -hmm. And it's there's a shitload of good content on YouTube as well to find like if you're very specifically looking to problem solve something, let's say about learning how to edit. When you first open an editing suite and there's the timeline and the windows and the media there and it's like it's super overwhelming if you've never worked with a timeline format before. So to have a course where someone is being paid so they they curated a course specifically for beginners specifically for that very software it's like you can spend maybe four or five hours going through each of the lessons and it might take you a few days and you're condensing um all the most essential aspects of how to 
figure out this program into a small course and it's high quality as well it's like yeah. a high quality thing and then you can use youtube to add the little gems in there exactly yeah yeah, yeah exactly so get the basics down with it uh, so i yeah. think it's underrated that's, that's, to that's pay. a million dollar secret right there that we just spilled the beans for <laughs> yes. so you know what you heard there is more valuable than an $80,000 education at university. I pay. It's good to have free content, of course, and like stuff should be free for everybody and things. But if you want to, if you want to get there real quick, pay to go on one of these online learning platforms. And they're cheap. And they've got everything more than you could ever. I go onto Skillshare and I'm like, what do I want to learn today? Like what's something that I'm not very good at? And they've got like watercolor painting, sewing, macrame, like also like knitting. Uh, They've got literally a course for everything, including like personal development, time management and organization. And I'm done. It's like Netflix per month. That was how I learned cryptocurrency. I went on to Udemy and I'm like, okay, cryptocurrency, buy four courses, learn cryptocurrency. And then what did I do is I found a few YouTube channels after that. It went on, but you have to learn. This is the process. You learn. So that's the learning. That's the academic part. And then you do. So you actually have to try it out. You have to do the thing, get your hands dirty. And then the third part is teaching. You have to tell somebody about it. And then you learn at the next level. And then you do at the next level and you teach at the next level. It's this triangle that I've applied to my life. And that's the triangle of mastery. And it sort of spirals upwards. It, it occurs at higher octaves as well. But it's important to do each of those in that order. And then they repeat in that order. Yeah, I love the way you put that. It's so simple, but so like, yes. It's three steps and it's like, okay, repeat the learn cycle. It. Repeat learn the cycle. it, do it, teach it. Learn it, do it, teach it. Yeah, and, and coming, a t-shirt. coming back to why I want to create financial abundance because all of these things you just mentioned, like I would love to get plugged into all these courses and learn these intricate things that interest me. But most of my time I'm like, Okay, well, I got a finite amount of money. I got to make this work, and I'm worried about finances. If I can get my finances sorted, then I could do more of these things. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. mention to you earlier when we were talking about astrology. It's like I want to dedicate yes. a solid amount of time to yeah. becoming an astrologer, or not necessarily whatever that means, but just learning for the sake of my own deep interest and resonance with astrology. And so, yeah, however you want to go about using your time, education is a huge one. Yes, yes, yes. you know. When I was learning spirituality in my 20s, what the big thing they were talking about was that the thing that will get you in the end is your relationship to money, sex, and food, right? If you don't have that handled cleanly, that's going to be the thing that's when you start working on this higher stuff, that's going to be where the cracks show in the foundation. And I basically say it's health, wealth, and relationships. We've got the relationships. I hang around amazing people. I've got an amazing partner. You know, this these kind of interactions are normal for me. I don't really talk to people plugged into the matrix. This is great. Um, health actually was the thing that was suffering over the last 18 months. I went way too hard into working. So I'm doing health now. Wealth, that you get that handled. But I think in order to really have the ability to do health and relationships, you need to have wealth. I think actually that's primary because if you have that money there, especially as a man, especially as a guy, if you've got that money handled, then you feel safe. Because it's a, like a switch for me. Yeah. Like, it's just- like if I had, a, if you know, if I had a, I actually, you know, through cryptocurrency, I have enough money to take off a large amount of time next year. And I might do that. I might not though. I like working, but I could do that. And I could say, I'm just going to focus on my, getting healthy. And I'm just going to do health. I'm going to go swim in the ocean. I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to go eat properly. I'm going to just de-stress and have a de-stress lifestyle. But, you know, you can't necessarily focus on health if you don't have wealth. 
because, oh, I can't eat high quality food because it costs more. I, I got to eat the pick and pay. I got to eat the cheap groceries. And you're, you know, you're, you're, you're stressed, which causes ill health. And then money gets between people gets, oh my God, this person owes me a hundred rand, 10 bucks. You know, oh, I need that right now. I'm going to be a dick to them or whatever to get it back, you know, or stressing about money in your intimate relationship with your partner. I mean, that, that can come up massively yeah. too. So I think you get wealth handled, then health and relationships actually follow. And then you've got that solid foundation of sovereignty to say, screw you. I don't need your shitty options, increasingly shitty out there. I'm going to build my own system. Yeah. That's so beautifully put. I think he's in there on the head. Definitely. Uh, I found myself personally having the health and the, the that sorted, relationship sorted, everything uh, full of abundance. But then the wealth thing becoming the issue, which then throws the other two off. Yeah. But if you get the wealth handled, then you have the time and, and the energy to really do the other things that matter to you, the relationships and the and the health. And then, yeah, I think it's it's a kind of equal system, but I think wealth should be priority because then you can you know take it from there and just, do what you need to do. You know, I, I think because wealth can provide the shelter. Wealth provides those base needs and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And there's something primitive as a, as a man, as a provider, when you're stressing about finances, you don't feel empowered. And like when you, but when finances are good, you have a natural, more confident feeling because you feel like you can provide. And that also energetically going back to that is a big thing. Huge in a relationship as yeah, well. Huge. Like if you, if you, if there's the, if you're a masculine identified being a dude and you're like, it's intrinsically part of our nature to control things and bring structure and create safety. And if you're not holding that end of the masculine down, then it, if say you're in a, in a relationship with a woman and she's not able to fully surrender into her feminine because she doesn't feel safe in the, in the, there's a lack of polarity that can also impact a relationship. That's why money gets in the way of marriages. Yeah. yeah. It's so stressful and gross and messy. Well, you know, there's this thing that happens now with relationships. It's very interesting where men basically they're at work, they're told what to do. They earn their salary right? They feel emasculated in the process. They don't actually hold their sword and direct their life anymore. They're basically like, yes, boss, I'll do this for this thing. And they go home and they play video games to avoid life. Yes. And then the women become very masculine and hard and they're they like, have to I'm going to climb up the ladder. It. I'm going to make this money happen. And they become these, you know, boss babes. And the women are running around cleaning the house. The dude's playing video games, eating pizza, right? And you have this reversal of polarity where the guys become feminine receptive in a negative way. And the woman's become hard and dried out and masculine. And that's not good for her essence if a woman is choosing a feminine essence and a man is choosing a masculine essence. And that polarity is really what you need in relationships. If you sort of have a neutral polarity where a, a man has a neutral charge and a woman has a neutral charge, you have friends. That's you, called you, friends. Yeah, it's called <laughs> friends. <laughs> yes. You don't it's have platonic. <laughs> that actual alchemy that actually creates a tertiary force. You know, and this, you know, the reason why I use it three is because the highest order of reality, the universe itself, is comprised of three forces. The force of dark energy, which is the masculine, which is expanding the universe faster than the speed of light. The only thing known faster than the speed of light is man conquesting <laughs> outward. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a second force, which is the thing that forms superclusters and galaxies called dark energy. And it, despite this expanding force, it's massive. You have this force that nurtures and brings galaxies together and creates life. And then you have a third force, a reconciling force. So you could say the masculine, the feminine, the child, 
you know, that whatever it is in the Trinity and religions and blah, 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 blah. But it's always these three things. And these are the three orders of laws that exist at the highest order of reality. Above that is unity, the absolute. And so when you begin to work with that, when you begin to work with polarity and the reconciliation and relationship between the two poles, you're operating at the highest order of reality. Another million dollar secret for you. If this, if this was Scientology, I'd be shot. <laughs> I'd be giving away big secrets. It definitely doesn't help that we have a society now that's almost like feminizing men and, and masculinity and targeting it as a toxic thing. Yeah. So there's this complete imbalance in just our culture, it seems. like, But just getting the, the, the healthy balance between the masculine and the feminine. It just, like Look, you said, have you guys noticed that everything that's being broadcast out to us as the way we should be doing things is antagonistic to the way that we're wired to operate? Yes. You know, if, if it's it, a complete obfuscation of natural law and truth. Obfuscation means it blurs truth. We don't even know what truth is when you get these beta men running around, you know, very, you know, in dresses and stuff. And you get these women that are hardened and just angry all the time. That's not how it should be. I've realized everything is upside down. And the more I, I kind of have these realizations, I was just like, everything that's been projected at us is the reversal is the truth. Yeah. And people must wear dresses if they want to, but yeah. we need to not move away from like foundational, um, not move too far away unless we need to go far away from it to just remind us we need to come back to it, the, of natural law of like um, masculine, feminine energy, yin, yang, darkness. Well, the, the problem isn't what people choose to do individually. It's when they go after people for operating according to their wiring. It is intimidating for a lot of people that are indoctrinated into culture to be a man now. It's almost wrong in some circles to say, this is what I want. I'm going to go do this. So like toxic masculinity, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this is rightful. I'm going to move from my cock and balls and I'm going to do the damn thing that feels right in the core of my being. And if that looks primal and savage to you, what well, shows how conditioned and how caged you've been. Yeah. For a lot of, a lot of women that might feel, the feminine might feel like that, dangerous to be around for a man who is no, dangerous no. doesn't necessarily if a man is like capable of um protecting and is physically strong and very full of testosterone and in his primal nature as a man doesn't necessarily mean he is a danger yeah it just means and if you uh, um women who are um in their divine feminine essence, they're going to respond to that. Completely <gasps> love that. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, that's yeah. all I've ever wanted. Finally, a man's man, like a like a a man I can trust, a yeah. man I feel safe around because his vibration matches his word. Yeah. If Integrity. your vibration matches your word, you will not have problems attracting. And now, of all times, we need men who are dangerous. Yes, like or, or capable like of danger. Capable yes. of danger. A, man, a man who picks Deadly, up the sword but not and holds dangerous. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like all that. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's that primal thing. It's like this guy could kill, but he chooses to wield the sword consciously. And some people will be killing literally in the physical, getting things done physically, and other people are bringing that like warrior element, that warrior spirit into whatever their unique gifts are, like creating alternative economic systems. Yeah. And, and I think, especially during these times, we need more men standing in their masculinity and being like, fuck no. And too many males, I was just like, mm, mm, yeah, it's okay. We've got to- I don't like, want to guys, offend anybody. Don't want to offend anybody. Like, don't want to no, just stand. We need to stand our ground and, and you know, embrace that because there's crazy shit going on. You know, if you, you listen to what you just said, you will have an unfair advantage. <laughs> 
over to everyone else yeah. that is culturally conditioned because you stand there and you stand strong and you might offend people on the surface level, but they're going to have a deep respect for you that's bodily. You know, and like I said, there's this attraction isn't a choice. You know, if you stand there, this is who I am. You can trust this. You're going to attract, you know, the opposite polarity. That's natural law. You know, despite what they might think um, mentally, it, it transcends that. And so, you know, standing in your truth is going to restore balance and it restores balance in the environments you're in as well. By triggering first, people. Yeah, but the first layer is triggering. The first layer is bringing up the shit, bringing up the untruth, bringing up that, that which has been obfuscated. Yeah, and honoring all of that process yeah. as well and not yeah, being like, process. oh, we're only doing this to get to the end where we all get on and we're all in harmony. The whole process is the process. I mean, you got to like the messy. Yeah. yeah. You got you to get down with <laughs> the messy. It's got to get messy. It's going to get messy. Yeah, and one thing's for sure, if you're speaking with a lot of confidence these days around something, you're going to always find people who disagree with you, always. Yeah. And even more, and they're, the more loud and the more confident you get, the more loud and the more confident they get yeah. that you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and then at some point you just have to you know okay cool like, you cool. believe that i believe this mm -hmm. you, that i'm not threatened i still by love you yeah, i still love yeah. you yeah just get away from me i've had a lot of lovely <laughs> conversations too with people who have an opposing viewpoint and mostly on, on the internet where you know the conversations go fucking mental yeah you can't have an actual conversation <laughs> no, on you twitter can't. in the comment section on facebook somebody posts something oh this is thought provoking and then you read the comment section i gotta turn this off right now i'm getting angry you know, they want to like kill the person, yeah. skewer them and torture them for believing something different. Like It's so crazy how out of control this will become. And that's one thing I realized over the last year is getting caught up in all of that. Um, you're not going to win fighting against or arguing with somebody. You're not going to change their point of view. No. They're going to have their point of view. Um, so there's no point in wasting energy in this polarized thing that's designed to have us fighting each other. Now I'm just stepped away and I actually try to stay away from the, the topics of the world because I don't want to give my energy to that. But when the time is right and I need to give my opinion, I'm confident to stand my ground. Yeah. But I don't like search for those interactions because I don't need to prove my point to anybody. No. Like everybody's gonna do their thing, like believe what you want to believe. But yeah, it's it's I got lost in it last year. I was so frustrated because I'm like, these guys are arguing with me and I'm trying to like share truth and it's like, you know what? It's, it all becomes futile. No, like, you let them if point. they're going down the synthetic evolution path. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. If you have any questions about the organic path, you can ask me, but I'm going this way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No judgment to you. Obviously, have a lesson to learn in that. And yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. This has been great, guys. You know, for Ben and I, I this is, really this is the, the encapsulation of life part two. Because yeah. we brought Darren in, we're now talking <laughs> about cryptocurrency, and it's yeah. been a great chat. Is there anything you guys want to discuss in closing? Anything you, you feel you want to contribute to this conversation that may need to be say, said? I'm really excited for your course to come out, and I'm excited to have you on my podcast where we're going to speak specifically about crypto. Yeah. And do a separate one again about astrology, and then a third one where we marry the two. Crypto so I've got astrology. you in for three podcasts. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm keen for the course, man. Yeah. Be crypto astrology, how to trade like the billionaires. <laughs> yeah, this has been this has been incredible being in between you guys with this conversation. Uh and just being able to be in the same village with people like you guys is also reaffirming that I'm I'm on the right kind of path, if that makes sense. And it's it's I'm excited about the future. And all of this is just adding to that. So thank you. Step out of the stress, step out of the the, the daily dialogue and say you're where are you? You're in an incredible place. 
you're interacting with incredible people. Life is providing you with abundance. You're doing everything right, you know, and it's just this time. It takes time for everything else to land. Yeah, I just want to finish up by saying, anybody listening to this, there is a six-week uh, course that I'm doing. And after the six weeks, I'll probably release it as a static thing later. You can find the description below. But this is really where we're going to dive in. And it's for people who are the technophobes that Benny was talking about. It is for people who want to learn getting in the mindset, getting in the frequency of how to work with this maturely, successfully, without losing all their money like many people do. Because we're probably going to have a nice big parabolic run before crypto basically becomes everything the normies are into. So for heart-based people, this is the course. There's a link below. Check it out. And it'll be running uh, at the end of October for six weeks. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have fun with it. That's the point. To the moon. A lot of memes. <laughs> to the moon. It's yeah. To, we're going to go to the moon. There's going to be a lot of memes on the way. A lot of laughs as That's well. actually something I love about the, the space, the crypto space, especially the IDO space is it's very meme-y. And like if anybody dives into those Telegram groups without having really an understanding of internet culture, it's going to put them right off. And so don't be put off by the memes. Yeah. No, you need you need to integrate the memes. Integrate they're the part memes. of your investment of the culture. <laughs> you know, the, the best line I ever heard was that, you know, somewhere in New York, there's a hedge fund manager right now who's so stoked he outperformed the Dow Jones by two percent. You know, forty years as a financial investor and I outperformed the index. I'm a hot shot. And then there's some shit posting meme kid 15 years old who got 4200 percent returns on fucking dog coin because it's a jpeg of an internet meme it just destroyed that hedge fund manager in returns this is the world we're living in i find it hilarious the universe has the sense of humor so this is the rebellion this is the thing that takes down the financial system is a bunch of it's meme warfare asymmetrical meme warfare I feel like sometimes that's um, part, a big part of my spiritual path is creating memes. It's like I came here thinking I was going to Gandalf my way through the whole awakening, but I'm actually on my laptop making memes. Yeah, I'm excited for the course. I'm really, really excited. And uh, for the technophobes, and I was definitely one of them until recently, do you want to spend maybe two, three hours on your computer, which is where the world's going, creating your buttons? You're going to have to learn these kind of skills. Yeah. So like, why not embrace it? and create the freedom that you want to have. The other thing I want to say for people too, and this is what comes up a lot with their fears is, oh my God, am I going to have to be on the computer all the time? Actually, it's better if you're not. The more you're, as you probably know, the more you tweak the damn thing, the more you're going to mess it up. You actually just let to leave it. It's sort of like, you know, you don't overtend a garden. You go in there when you need to. So actually when you trade less, when well, you- That's a nice analogy. You know, and you're, you're taking the long stance, everything works out beautifully. Mm -hmm. And so it is actually about setting something up and you just go in at certain times and you touch it and then leave it. That doesn't really work for the the addiction to chaos though. So well, <laughs> getting in on the IDOs and then we'll watching find, them. We'll find other ways. There's plenty of that we'll, online. We'll pair the wise investor with the how to shitpost memes course that you're going to create so that you can be addicted to the chaos of creating memes and shitposting them around telegram groups. Yeah, I think that's a good balance of Set both <laughs> because then you get your late nights, you get your imbalanced lifestyle, and you get a lot of money. At least you won't have money problems. <laughs> you won't have money problems. No. You might have circadian rhythm problems, but you won't have money problems. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you And for so the much, listeners, guys. you need to check out. Life Expanded. Uh, yeah, Life Expanded, one word. There will be a link in the description. And you need to check out. New Perceptions Podcast. There you go.
So thank you very much, Ben and, J and Lula. Thank you very much, Ben and Darren. And you know, the best part is that, that won't be edited out. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's a basic thing about podcasts. It's too hard to edit that video out anyway. So anyway, thank you guys for this unedited, unabridged, absolutely epic discussion we've had today.